Bringing you the latest in tax credit news, this is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratty. The legislative challenges have been significant. We very much need legislation. we got to produce housing. We're still in a very volatile industry. It's a challenging atmosphere for almost anyone. We can't get all these mixed signals and messages. He doesn't have a bipartisan bill. Nothing's going to happen. Alternative energy is still very expensive. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratty, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today's Tuesday, June 3rd, 2014. I'll begin this week by discussing a House Ways and Means Committee tax extenders markup session that occurred last Thursday. In this second extenders markup session, the committee addressed six more expired or expiring provisions that it would like to see as part of the permanent tax code. In this week's low-income housing tax credit section, I'll discuss recent changes to the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development's accessibility standards, as well as the latest effort in Oklahoma to create a state low-income housing tax credit program. We also have good news to report from Colorado regarding efforts to reenact the Colorado State Low-Income Housing Tax Credit. In our New Markets Tax Credit segment, I'll alert listeners to Novogratz and Company's upcoming New Market Tax Credit Conference. That's just next week as well as an opportunity to nominate community development entities for this year's Community Development Quilickies of the Year Awards. Also, the latest in rumors on the announcement of the next round of new market tax credit allocation awards. In historic tax credit news, I'll share the Governor of North Carolina's plan to replace the state's expiring historic tax credit program with a comparable program. I also have a list of historic properties and districts in Arkansas that are in danger of being lost to neglect. Finally, in Renewable Energy Tax Credit news, I discuss the Internal Revenue Service's publication of the 2014 inflation factors and reference prices for energy tax credits. If you're ready, let's get started. In general news, I have the latest on House tax extenders legislation. The House Ways and Means Committee held a hearing May 29th to discuss six more extender bills. The bills discussed did not include the low-income housing, new markets, historic, or renewable energy tax credits. The committee did, though, vote to pass all six bills considered, and two of those bills concerned conservation easements and bonus depreciation. Now, I'd like to talk a little bit about the bonus depreciation bill as it could affect developers of low-income housing tax credit properties and the yields they can give to their investors. The committee voted to make bonus depreciation a permanent part of the tax code. Bonus depreciation allows businesses to deduct 50% of capital purchases up front. Congress has used it in the past to encourage investment during times of economic recession. Most recently, Congress included it in the Economic Stimulus Act of 2008. Then, it allowed owners of low-income housing tax credit properties to deduct up to 50% of the cost of personal property and land improvements. Ways and Means Committee Democrats voted against making bonus depreciation a permanent part of the tax code. In a statement, Representative Sander Levin, the committee's ranking Democrat, said that the idea is to provide an incentive for capital-intensive businesses to invest in new equipment. If the bonus depreciation is made permanent, businesses no longer have an incentive to invest in improvements during these times of economic distress. He added that the majority's piecemeal approach to tax extended legislation is once again leading to an increasingly uncertain fate for provisions like the new market tax credit and renewable energy tax credits. 
This was the second markup that the Ways and Means Committee conducted for tax extenders legislation. The bill passed last week will now go before the entire House for consideration. A third hearing has not been scheduled at the time of this recording. However, we do expect there to be additional work on tax extenders at the House of Ways and Means Committee level over the course of the summer and into the fall. In local housing tax credit news, I begin with a change to accessibility standards applicable to U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development funded properties. Last week, HUD announced that it will allow developers of federally funded construction projects to use an alternative design standard to meet the accessibility requirements under Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act of 1973. HUD is allowing developers to use the Americans with Disabilities Act 2010 standards for accessible design rather than Uniform Federal Accessibility Standards, or UFAS, when undertaking new construction or alterations to existing structures. This notice affects new construction and alterations commenced on or after May 23, 2014. Many developments that are subject to HUD's 504 regulations and UFAS are also subject to Americans with Disabilities requirements from state and local governments. Prior to this notice, when both accessibility standards applied, recipients had to choose to meet the criteria of the program that afforded greater accessibility. HUD is now allowing funding recipients to use the 2010 standards as an alternative to UFAS. In a press release about the change, HUD said that HUD-funded entities could design and build using a single accessibility standard in order to meet the requirements under both laws. The notice will remain in effect until HUD formally updates the accessibility standards in Section 504 regulations. This change is meant to help developers streamline the accessible work. Recipients may continue to use UFAS if they prefer. There are a few exceptions to the rule change, however. I'd encourage you to read the notice before implementing any changes in your design plans. To read more about these exceptions, please go to www.hud.gov. Also, if you have any questions, I encourage you to contact my partner, Susan Wilson, in our Austin, Texas office. In state local housing tax credit news, I'd like to talk about a bill in Oklahoma that would create a state local housing tax credit there. The tax credit would match the federal credit for qualified developments placed in service after July 1, 2015. The Oklahoma Housing Finance Agency would administer the credit. The state credit would have a $4 million annual cap that would be claimable on or after January 1, 2016. And like its federal counterpart, it would be a 10-year credit. Furthermore, any credit claimed but not used in a taxable year could be carried forward for up to five years. One aspect of the bill that I'd like listeners to know about is the definition of a qualified project. The bill states that the project must be located in a county with a population of less than 150,000 according to the latest U.S. Census. This leaves out Oklahoma County, Tulsa County, and Cleveland County. These counties contain Oklahoma's three largest cities, Oklahoma City, Tulsa, and Norma. On May 22nd, the Oklahoma Affordable Housing Act, or SB 2128, was sent to Oklahoma Governor Mary Fallon, and at the time of this recording, awaits her signature. I'll be sure to provide an update on the status of the bill as soon as more information becomes available. As a side note, I'd like to mention another Oklahoma local housing tax credit bill that we covered earlier this year. Regular listeners may recall that we discussed HB 3099 in the March 11th and April 8th episodes of Tax Credit Tuesday. That bill died in the Senate Finance Committee. 
SB 2128 is not related to that bill. Now, if you have any questions, I encourage you to contact my partner, George Littlejohn, in our Austin, Texas office. To learn more about other state loan and tax credit programs, go to www.taxcredithousing.com. Now, let's talk about Colorado and efforts to reenact the Colorado Loan Housing Tax Credit. Last week, on May 29th, Colorado Governor John Hickenlooper signed legislation authorizing the reenactment of the Colorado State Loan Housing Tax Credit. Under the new law, for 2015 and 2016, the Colorado Housing Finance Authority may allocate up to $5 million a year in state credits. The credit is claimed annually over a six-year period. However, there is an exception to this limit for credits, and that applies to projects or credits allocated to projects that are qualified developments located in the county designated by the Qualified Allocation Plan as having been impacted by a natural disaster. For more information about the Colorado State Long Housing Tax Credit, contact my partner, Mike Morrison, in our San Francisco office. Also, a hat tip to Peter Lawrence in our Washington, D.C. office. Peter testified on behalf of reenacting the law when the legislation was making its way through the legislative process. In New Market Tax Credit news, I'd like to remind listeners that Novogratz's New Market Tax Credit Spring Conference is only nine days away. At last count, more than 500 people had registered for the conference. The conference will feature the latest news from Washington, D.C. And if we're lucky, that might even include a discussion of the 2013 Allocation Round Allocatees. At the time of this recording, the Community Development Financial Institutions Fund hasn't yet set a date for the awards announcement. However, there's much speculation that the awards announcement could come the Monday before our conference. That would be next Monday before our conference next week. So I hope to hear, though, more details in the coming days. And once I do know more, I'll send out a tweet, and Novogratz and Company will send out breaking news. But even without a new round of allocations announced, there will be plenty to discuss at the spring conference. We have panels scheduled on unwinding new market tax credit transactions, as well as pairing the new market tax credit with other subsidies. The conference will take place in Washington, D.C. on June 12th and 13th. You can go to www.novaco.com events to register. I'd also like to remind listeners that Novogratz & Company is accepting nominations for the Novogratz Journal of Tax Credits Community Development Awards. The Community Development Quilikis of the Year Awards recognize community development entities that have made exceptional qualified low-income community investments, or Quilikis, in the past year. They honor community development entities, or CDEs, that show well-executed vision and measurable community impact. They also honor CDEs that show a commitment to establishing positive change and bringing more people and places into the economic mainstream. The five award categories are for small business, and that's for clickies made in a project occupied exclusively by the primary tenant with 50 or fewer employees. For operating businesses, and that's clickies made in a project occupied exclusively by the primary tenant with more than 50 employees. Real estate, that's for clickies made in entities whose predominant business activity is development management or leasing of real estate. The Metro Award for clickies made in a project located in a metropolitan area and the non-metro award for clickies made in a project located in a non-metropolitan area. Anyone can nominate a CDE for awards. You don't have to be associated with the project or the CDE, but you can be. The only stipulation is that the project nominated have funding transactions that closed 
in 2013 or 2014. Nominations are due by June 19th. You can find more information about the awards criteria and nomination forms at www.novoco.com awards. In historic tax credit news, I'd like to discuss a plan to replace North Carolina's expiring historic tax credit program. North Carolina's governor, Pat McCrory, announced his plan to replace the existing program with a new one. Currently, North Carolina has a 20% state credit for income-producing historic properties and a 30% state credit for properties that do not produce income. The state also has a 30 and a 40% credit for historic mills. This credit, historic mills credit, can be claimed in lieu of the other credits. All three of the credits are set to expire at the end of 2014. The governor's proposal would replace the 20% credit for income-producing properties with a two-tiered system. The first tier is a 15% credit for up to $10 million in qualified expenditures, and the second tier is a 10% credit for expenditures between $10 and $20 million. Projects can get a 5% boost if they're located within targeted investment sites or distressed areas. Historic mills would no longer have their own state tax credit. They would be included with other income-producing historic properties. The proposal also provides a credit for non-income-producing structures, and it drops that credit to 20% with a $200,000 cap on qualified expenditures. If passed, the governor's proposed program would be in effect until January 1, 2020. At the time of this recording, the proposal does not have an annual program cap or a line item in the governor's budget. It has been referred to the House and Senate committees on appropriations as House Bill 1208 and Senate Bill 842. I should note that although the proposed credits are lower than the ones that are about to expire, the governor's proposal highlights a critical issue, the importance of keeping some form of historic preservation tax credit in place. Most of us know all too well how detrimental it can be when state or federal legislatures allow tax credits to expire. Investors can get skittish, and it makes it difficult for developers to take on long-term projects. Ultimately, this endangers the future of vulnerable historic properties. To learn more about historic tax credit programs in your state, I encourage you to visit www.historictaxcredits.com. And for any questions, please contact my partner, Tom Bosha, in our Cleveland office at 216-298-9000. In other historic tax credit news, the Historic Preservation Alliance of Arkansas released this year's list of the most endangered places in the state. The annual list spotlights historic places in danger of being damaged or destroyed. Threats to properties include insufficient funds, improper development, and ill-advised public policy. This year's list includes the Central High School Neighborhood Historic District in Little Rock. Little Rock Central High School came to national attention for its role in the desegregation of public schools in 1957. The school itself is still open, but the surrounding neighborhood suffers from underinvestment. Contributing historic properties nearby are being demolished. This puts the entire district's historic designation in jeopardy. This, in turn, jeopardizes the ability to use state and historic tax credits in the district. The report calls the historic tax credits crucial to preservation efforts. Three other places on the list are all in the city of Hot Springs, famous for its thermal spas, grand hotels, and downtown area. The three Hot Springs historic sites on the list are the Thompson Building, the John Lee Webb House, and the entire historic district of downtown Hot Springs. All three need to be retrofitted to protect them from fires and further deterioration. 
Go to www.preservearkansas.org to find a copy of the report, Fragile 5, 2014 List of Arkansas's Most Endangered Places. And to learn more about the historic tax credit, please contact my partner, Michael Kressig, in our St. Louis, Missouri office at 314-621-3471. In renewable energy tax credit news, last week, the Internal Revenue Service published updated reference rates for renewable energy tax credits under Section 45. The IRS can adjust these rates annually to account for inflation. Unfortunately, for the production tax credit for wind community, the production tax credit for wind is worth 2.3 cents per kilowatt hour for calendar year 2014. Why do I say unfortunately? Well, this is the same as the calendar year rate for 2013, so it remains unchanged. Many in the industry thought the amount should have been increased. There's other reference rates included in the notice, and to learn more about these other adjustments, or lack of adjustments, as well as historical records of reference rates through 2005, go to www.energytaxcredits.com. And if you have questions about how the new or same rates might affect your projects, I encourage you to contact my partner, Stephen Tracy, in our San Francisco office. Well, that brings me to the end of this week's report. Join me again next week for another Tax Credit Tuesday. Next week, I'll share state-level updates on affordable housing developments in Washington, D.C., as well as historic tax credit developments in Colorado. This is Michael Novogratik, and I'll be back next week. As always, thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratik & Company, LLP. Archive discussions are available online at www.novoco.com forward slash podcast, or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. Novogratik & Company LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novaco.com.